there and welcome to Thrive Church Podcast here in Puyallup, Washington. We're so glad you found us and hope you enjoy listening to this sermon of the week. Church is really developing in us healthy lives, spirit, soul, and body. I've talked about it before. Um, when, we're, when we're talking about developing a lifestyle that's healthy, um, uh, I, I just really believe that there are three three soils that and I've talked about this before too, but uh, three different types of soils that are, are going to produce thriving life. And those, those are intimacy, serving, and community. And today I want to talk uh, a, a bit more about the soil of intimacy. And I may be talking about this for a couple weeks. We'll see how, how this goes. But, but really for us to attain to the full measure of fruitfulness that God has, uh, for us, we must be planted in the soil of intimacy, um, intimacy with God. Now, um, I believe that intimacy with God is a defining aspect of the Christian faith. I really, really believe that strongly. Um, Christ, Christianity without intimacy, I think, is not much different than other religions. And you, th- you think about it. It's one of the things that defines us is that we actually have the opportunity to have relationship with the one that we worship. Connection with him. <laughs> yeah, you know, Christianity, is, it's said to not be a religion, but a relationship. Um, I, I totally believe that that's true. But how many recognize that it is possible to, to believe in Jesus and not have a living relationship with him? That's totally possible. That's not the way it's intended to be, but that's possible to, to have your life look like that. And so that's, this is that whole aspect of, of intimacy that we get to cultivate with him. And, and there's lots of ways that we can do that. Today, I'm, I'm going to talk specifically about intimacy, intimacy with him through the scriptures, through the word of God. Um, Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Uh, we actually read verse 3 earlier uh, several times. It was kind of a, a theme verse that I used for several messages I was, I was ministering. But we're going to hit that too. But the, this is going to highlight the, the importance of the Word of God. Uh, verse 1, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. If you want to live a life that bears fruit in every season, uh, then we need to be planted firmly in the Word of God. That's what verse 2 talks about. It's it, uh, whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Now, uh, how many of you understand that delighting in his word and meditating in his word gives, gives uh, uh, an impression of something deeper than just reading his word, right? It's not, it's not just like, yeah, I, I read my, my, my daily chapter or whatever it is that you may do. It's like there's something more that it communicates about, uh, about the life of a, of a believer that is planted firmly in the scriptures. It's actually, there's a delight. 
there. There's a, there's, there's a delight in a meditation on the word. Um, meditating on the word is likened to ruminating on it. How many have heard that term? Uh, ruminating like chewing on it like a cow chews the cud. It's kind of not a very pretty picture, but it's the idea of, of like the, how the cow kind of pulls back up the, 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 the digested food that it's eaten and it kind of chews on that again. Like, what is that? You know, what, and it provides sustenance to them and whatever. But for us, the picture is like bringing up the word into our spirits. Like, you know, what does that mean? What is it? Uh, what does that? What does that speak to me? And kind of just meditating on it, thinking on it a little bit, a little bit more deeply than just rushing right over it as we read. So that's kind of a picture of meditation um, and delighting in the word. I think. I think that is is a really powerful picture uh, because it that communicates just a ton. So, you know, it's like that is uh, that that takes it uh, to a place of, of value, elevating that above above other things, believing it to be um, sacred, if you would. Um, you just put that value on the word. God's word is so. Uh, so important and we delight in it it's kind of stirs up something in us that's like i really want what it has to to give me um i believe that the word of god the scriptures uh, they're authoritative there's lots of words that are used about the bible like it's the inspired word of god i believe that too um it's it's authoritative now basically what that means is that the scripture has authority to define what's good and right, defining how I should live as a believer, right? That's that's kind of what authoritative means. It has the right to speak to my life. It has the right to tell me uh, what is good and what's right. In the current culture of the church, the Bible, in my opinion, is regarded with less priority than it deserves. That's my perspective. I think that, and I'm not trying to aim that at you guys specifically, but just kind of um, in a broad sense, it seems like, it seems maybe like uh, people are more likely to believe what the internet says than they are to believe what the Bible says. Like Google says it, that's the law, you know, but if the Bible says it, well, I don't know, we'll have to think about it. Now, I mean, I think that it just deserves a, a higher place in our, in our, in our thinking and in our, uh, our value system. And what the scripture that I read, Psalm 1, tells us is that if we're going to be the kind of person that prospers in everything we do, then God's word is going to have to take a place of high priority. Amen. All right, uh, Psalm 19, verse, verses 7 and 8 uh, says this, says, the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. Thank goodness for that. Uh, the precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. Um, powerful verses there. I, I, I know that, I don't know if this is something that you connect with, but the word of the Lord has come to me and brought refreshment to my soul so many times I can't count it. It just happens like I'll read a, I'll read a scripture, or I'll be meditating on a scripture and it just like all of a sudden just, it refreshes. It like brings life that I need. Um, uh, it, uh, it brings joy gives light, it says. Uh, now, um, how many have heard about the Bereans? 
right? <laughs> More than just Farah, I'm sure, right? <laughs> Acts chapter 17, verse 11, talks about the Bereans, and it says this, Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica. <laughs> For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Um, they were more noble, not, not, not so much into comparison, like those bad Thessalonians, bad dudes. No, uh, the Bereans were no, noble, but it was because they received the message with joy and they were eager, but they went and they, they examined the scriptures to, to see if what Paul was teaching them was true. And this is where, and it's attributed to them as that's noble that they did that. Uh, there's something that you know in our in our stream of revival culture, where, where we believe that that revival is the normal state of the believer, where we live really in constant connection with the Holy Spirit, seeing signs, wonders, miracles, experiencing His presence, the moving of His Spirit, the operation of the gifts of the Spirit uh, all the time. In, in this stream, we have a tendency to elevate experiential. Christianity and maybe devalue the word. We, we are in a prophetic movement that can also uh, uh, be guilty of placing too much uh, emphasis on the prophetic experience and too little emphasis on biblical truth. Now, I want to just make a little bit of an asterisk there for you to understand that that I'm not I'm not talking about us like wanting to pull away from the prophetic movement that we're a part of. We are a part of something that's really important and valuable. And and quite honestly, I don't think it's out of balance. The the things that we're connected in, uh, it's very it's balanced and it is based and and uh, and emphasizing the word as well. So uh, I'm just saying that there can be the opportunity to overemphasize that prophetic experience and underemphasize biblical truth. First Thessalonians uh, chapter five and verses 20 and 21 say this, say, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. The, the, uh, the thing that's not stated there is that there's also some things that maybe aren't good and something you're supposed to do with those, right? Don't hold on to those things, right? You know, test the prophecies, test the things that we need to, we need to test everything that's experiential, all the aspects of experiential Christianity um, that, are, that we experience in the kingdom. Uh, we need to hold on to what is good and we need to let go of those things that aren't good. Uh, there's, a, there's, a, there, there's a testing that, that is required and a part of that testing is to, to ensure that it lines up with scripture, if you, if you receive a prophetic word that doesn't line up with scripture, um, I just encourage you to get rid of that. That's just not God's word to you. If it doesn't align with scripture. Now, um, just a question like, how do you practically ensure that, that that prophetic word that you receives, that you receive lines up with scripture? Let's say you get a prophetic word that you're going to minister in other nations or even a specific nation or, or continent, uh, Africa or Europe or whatever. The Bible doesn't give a specific calling, uh, destiny or purpose for individuals. It doesn't, it doesn't say, well, like, like Helen, she's called to do this. 
So, you know, when she receives a word that doesn't have a scripture specifically where it says that what she's supposed to do, then she can, uh, she can, it doesn't work that way. Obviously, we know that. It doesn't tell us the specifics of where our ministry will be or whether we're called as missionaries or preachers or uh, pastors or prophets or whatever. But the Bible does talk about each of us having a ministry. Ephesians 4, 11, the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. And it does talk about the great commissioning of all believers to go into all the world, right? So, I mean, there's, there's some general senses of what, what the scripture teaches us. Um, so prophetic words can line up with those in general. Uh, and here's, here's something that I'll, I'll give you just as a, as a way to look at this, but there's... Uh, the idea of something being extra biblical versus it being anti-biblical. You following me? The difference, like you, you're gonna, we're gonna experience thing that the things in that the scripture doesn't necessarily specifically address that are good. We're not not, we're not throwing those things out, but if there are things that are anti-biblical, those things need to be to be judged and removed and 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 not held on to. Right? Do you kind of see where I'm going with that? There's lots of other factors in, in judging prophetic words and other experiential things uh, in, in our Christian experience, but that's not really the scope of my message, so I'm not really going to go there. But my intention, again, isn't to devalue the things that are experiential. I'm a, I'm, I'm a revivalist. I, I'm, I believe in that stuff. <laughs> I, I want that stuff. I, I press for encounters in his presence. I, I want to see his power and all the things that go along with the moving of the spirit of God. My intention is to communicate the need for all of those aspects to uh, align and to be tested and understood through the biblical lens. You understand what I'm, what I'm teaching this morning? Really, what, I, what I'm hoping to do is inspire a love and a delight for the Word of God. That's what that scripture in Psalm 1 is talking about, uh, who, who delight in the Word. I mean, if we can delight in the Word of God, I, I don't believe that the, the Trinity is the Father, Son, and the Holy Bible. I've said that before. That's not, that's not what we believe. But, um, but I do believe that the scripture is the inspired, authoritative word of God. So, um, all right. Here's another thing I, I believe about the scripture. It's, it, the purpose of scripture is to actually lead us into an encounter with God into relationship, into intimacy. This is, this, is, uh, this is why it's important for us to talk about when we're talking about planting our lives in the soil of intimacy. Uh, the scripture is, is something that is, is leading us and pulling us into connection and encounter with God. It's important. And I want to look at a few things here this morning that show... Um, the interaction with, with, with Scripture leading us into encounter. When Jesus is talking about, he's talking to the Pharisees, actually. This is in John chapter 5. He's talking to the Pharisees, so you can imagine he's not being very nice. Jesus sometimes wasn't very nice to the Pharisees. Um, but he... Um, he says, and the father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice nor seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you. 
for you do not believe the one he sent. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life, but these are the very scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. So he's speaking to them and he's telling them, you, you, you go into the scriptures and you study them, but you don't look, uh, you don't, you're not looking for me. You're not discovering me. You're not, you don't believe in the one that God sent. You refuse to come to have life. So uh, we might like view this, uh, this like might be like a verse that you could use to, to preach the opposite message of what I'm preaching this morning. Because Jesus is talking to them about, well, you go into the scriptures, but you don't find me. You go in the scriptures, but you don't see what the scriptures are speaking. We, we'll hit that a little bit more here. But these, this, these uh, Pharisees were not encountering Jesus. They were using the scripture to, to prove their own religious life. Now, we can have that same problem in the New Testament age right now. I mean, we can, we can like use scriptures for all of these things, but not have that relationship with God. Scriptures are for intimacy with him. They're for connecting with who he is. And when we don't see him in those scriptures, then we probably need to find a different way of reading means I'm, on, I'm being honest there. There are times when the scripture can be dry. Anyone experience that but me, right? What I do is I, I, I try to switch things up and I, I mean, I'll read somewhere else. I'll read a different translation. I'll do something different because my hope is not that I just have an understanding of what the words on the page say, but my hope is that when I'm reading the word, I actually am drawn into connection. I actually, I actually experience him in the word. Amen. That's what we're after. Uh, John 15 says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Done for you. This is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. We know that his word abides in us when we, when we're delighting in his word and we encounter him, when we, uh, when we, uh, experience the fruit, when we, uh, when we, uh, we see him in the word because this is, it's kind of a contrast to what the, the, the word he spoke over the Pharisees. You search the scriptures, but you don't even see where I'm, where I'm at there. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, when, when the word of God begins to resound in your spirit and it speaks to you of who he is and it tells you about who he is, that's how we actually are proved to be his disciples. Like, I know I'm his disciple when, when, I, when I have the experience of his word coming to my remembrance in the middle of my day, and it teaches me, and it reminds me of him, and it speaks to me about my life. This is how we, we, we see it abiding in us. It's delighting. It's that meditation. It's like it's not just something we read as a part of some ritual that we do as, as believers, but it's something that it becomes ingrained in who we are and how we do life. If Jesus is perfect theology, which I believe he is, um, his life demonstrates perfect theology. It says he was the exact representation of the Father. Then I think we need to look at how did how Jesus valued Scripture. 
in, in light of the topic that we're discussing this morning. But one of the best pictures of this uh, is during Jesus' temptation at the onset of his ministry. What happens? You know, he's, being, he's, in the, he's in the wilderness, he's fasting, and he's being tempted by the devil for 40 days and nights. Now we see, we get a little glimpse into what, what he experienced uh, in, these, in these three questions that the devil asked him. We kind of have this picture like it was at the end of his fast and, the, and these three things uh, happened, these three questions. But actually, um, if you look at the word, it actually talks about the fact that he was tested for 40 days. So I don't know what was going on the other 40, the other 40 days, but it does culminate in, in what we see and what's described uh, in, in several places in the Gospels. But each time the devil asked him a question or tempted him in, a, in some way, um, Jesus responded, it is written. We've heard that lots of times, I'm sure. Um, but it's, a, it's an important picture because Jesus knew the scripture well and he used it in practical ways in his life to defeat the plan of the enemy for him. Now, I'm just making a suggestion, but if Jesus needed that, then we probably do too. What do you think? Right? I'm gonna, uh, I want to read another passage, though, that uh, I think is, an, is a, I think it's fascinating, that, that shows not only how Jesus valued Scripture for his own life, but it, but it shows how he wanted his disciples to have their faith in him founded in the Scriptures and not just in their experience of him. Does that sound interesting? This is, uh, this is after Jesus was crucified and rose from the dead. It's found in Luke chapter 24, if you want to take a look at it, uh, either now or some other time. Luke 24, there's several verses here. I'm just going to read it, and then we'll come back and chat about it a little bit. But Luke 24, start at verse 13, and it says this, Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along them, along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And they stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. <laughs> I think this is awesome. <laughs> About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. I don't know if you're, you catch this here, but um, these, these disciples that were discussing what had happened, they had heard from the women already that had encountered the angel that said he's risen, don't look for him here, he's risen. 
They went and looked and they found it just as the women had reported, but they were still downcast. In other words, they were not believing the report. They were not, they were like, this is not how they still envisioned Jesus uh, redeeming Israel, like, like they said. We thought he was going to be the one that was going to redeem Israel. But Jesus says to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? This is verse 27. No, it says, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Now, I wish I would have been around for that message. This <laughs> is like that, that, that discussion with Jesus telling all about himself. Like, this is like the scripture says this, and that was talking about me. And that scripture says that, and it was talking about me. Except for in his discussion, he wasn't telling them who he was still. Now, I, I, don't, I don't know if you're getting this, but Jesus could have, like, opened their eyes right then. Like, just so you know, I'm him. I'm, I'm Jesus. Remember me. I'm that guy. I have been raised from the dead. I'm here. Encounter me. <laughs> right? That's not what he did. What he did is he began to show them in the scripture all the things concerning himself. It's powerful. As they approached the village to, to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. <laughs> like, and then they said this, so this is powerful. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Their encounter with Jesus was actually emphasized more uh, because of the fact that he unveiled himself, not in his glory, his resurrected glory that was standing next to them on the road, but by showing himself to them in the scripture. And it says their hearts were burning. Uh, I don't, I don't know what that does to you, but for me, it's like I want, I want to encounter him in the word in such a way that it makes, me, makes my heart burn. I want, to, I want it to come alive so it makes me, it, it just gives meaning to why I'm here and what I'm doing and where we're going. I, I've grown up in, in a Christian family and um, there was always a, 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 a value placed on the word. So I've had that for my whole life. I never, I never went through a phase where I doubted whether the Bible was true. I, I mean, I never, I never had that experience. Um, I, I, I wasn't, it's like I can really never remember being a, a non-believer. Uh, there was a moment when I gave my life to Jesus. I won't, uh, I'm not getting into to that specifically, but there was a moment in time when that happened for me. 
like I'm sure it's happened for you. But throughout my life, I had a value for God's word. But there was a season where something shifted. Uh, I was a young, I was a young man. I was probably about 16 years old. I, I don't remember specifically the year, but I, I was at a youth camp. Um, presence of God was was strong and the messages were amazing and I I just encountered his presence and I came home from youth camp just hungry for God probably all of you can relate to similar experiences in your life I I don't know but I um, I actually set out to read the scripture uh, because I just wanted more of God I set out to read the scripture and I was I was planning to read it in a year but I blazed through it. I was just hungry. So I actually read it in six months. Um, but I was stirred about it. I was, I wanted to know, and I'll tell you to this very day that a, a lot of times the scripture that comes up in my spirit that, that the Lord speaks to me about when I'm actually not reading the word comes from that time when I was pressing in, when I was hungry for God, when I wanted to know what was going on, I wanted to know him and I wanted to, to see him in his word. It'll come up in my memory. It'll, it'll, it'll come up and I'll, I'll start to, and I actually, I don't read the translation that I, I read, that I read then now, um, not for any particular reason other than that I bought a different Bible. But um, the, the things that come up in my memory come up in that translation. Isn't it, do you ever, you ever have that experience? You know what I'm talking about? Where you're, where you're, um, something comes up and, and you, you look in your current Bible and you're like, it doesn't say that. It's like, it doesn't say it that way. But that's because when I, when I was pressing in and I was hungry for God's word uh, as a youth, it got into my spirit in a certain format and that's how it comes up. Now I value the other translations too. I really do. But, um, uh, but that marked me in a way that, uh, that, that, in, that no other time since has. There's certainly been other times when I've pressed in and, and I've gotten hungry for God and I've uh, pressed into the scripture, studying things out a little bit more. But that time marked me more than any other time. But as I'm, as I'm wrapping up this message today, I just I want to ask you, like, where are you at uh, in that level of delighting in his word? Woman, if you just like give yourself a meter, the delight in, the God, in God's word meter, right? Where are you at there? Does it stir you up? Do you delight in it? Is it do you place a high value on it? Sometimes the word comes and it corrects us. In First uh, Timothy, it tells us that all Scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for for uh, correcting and training in righteousness, for confronting us about things that, that are going on in our lives. Sometimes the Word comes and it does. It hits us right there. And we're like, am I going to yield to the Word or am I going to live according to what Google says? <laughs> right? So, I mean, the, the Word does, but do we place it at that place? Do we... Do we have, have we put the word in that, in that place that can speak to us, maybe like nothing else can? Because God wants to use it in our lives in so many ways. But if we want to be people who are, who are prospering in everything we do, 
thriving in every situation, then, then our delight for his word is, is going to drive us to not just read the word, but to chew on it, to study it, to memorize it. Uh, another season, actually, that I remember really strongly in my life where, where I was just really, I, I wanted the word of God in my life. I wanted it to experience more of him. I decided that I was going to memorize scripture. And um, I, um, I'm kind of a passionate person. You know me well, I'm, I'm passionate, but I decided that what I was, I was going to memorize was I was going to memorize Psalm 119. Um, if you know much about Psalm 119, it's the longest, uh, longest chapter in the Bible. I think it has like 175 verses. Um, and so I'm like, I set out on this journey, like I'm going to do it. Uh, cause I, you know, I had read about some revivalists, some, some man of God who like memorized whole books of the Bible. I'm like, that's amazing. Of course they, they didn't have Bibles sitting around on their shelves getting dusty. Uh, they, they had scrolls and you know, <laughs> I don't know who this guy was that I read about, but you know, it's like, I was like stirred up. Like if they can memorize whole books then I can remember, I can memorize Psalm 119. So I, I went after it. I, I I started, uh, I mean, I started memorizing Psalm 119, and I I don't remember any of that right now, so I can't quote anything to you to prove that I did this, but I did. Uh, You can ask my wife, she'll she'll tell you. But I, I started to memorize Psalm 119, and I got through like almost half of it. Really, I was doing really good. And um, I remember that, that I would like, I would go over it in my mind every day, like just because otherwise, you know, it starts to fade, it starts to slip away. And so I, I would, and I would use Angie uh, to help me. So I'd give her my Bible and I would just like, all right, here, I'm going to, I'm going to quote this. I'm going to start, you know, going through and showing you how well I've memorized this chapter. And she would sit there and listen and it would take me, I only was, I only got halfway. It would take 20 minutes for us to get through this half of Psalm 119. But that's what, I mean, I'm just telling that story because I think that that something can be stirred in us to actually value the word of God at a different level than maybe where we're at right now. And I think that we will find that if we do that, something will begin to happen, will be stirred up. God will begin to show himself to us. He wants to reveal himself to us. And he's plastered himself all over the pages of our Bibles. And he wants it to be a thing of encounter. It's not about the written word, but as I've said this, but it's about something that happens when we are in the word and we see who he is. We discover him in the pages. And it's no longer about checking some box at the beginning of our devotional day, but it's about, I want to know him. I want to know who he is. I want to know how it affects me. So we should be driven to read, read it, chew on it, study it, memorize it, pray it, and especially to do it, right? I guess there's a couple of scriptures about that. Uh, Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27. I'll just hit the first one. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. 
is like the wise man who built his house on the rock. And in James 1, uh, verse 22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. So I want to just, I want to encourage you. I know we're getting closer to the new year um, and um, I'm hoping to kind of throw out some ideas and ways for us to actually press into the, to the word, maybe together in some ways that, that might stir you up. But if you're feeling stirred about encountering him more in the word, um, I, I'd love to partner with you with that. So um, there you go. Intimacy with God. We want to plant our lives in intimacy. And part of that intimacy is the word of God. He wants to have connection with us, and we can we can see who he is uh, digging into the scripture. Now, I'm, again, I, I don't want to devalue those experiences that we have, the prophetic things that happen, the, the encounters in God's presence, the things like, I mean, like this morning that it was so beautiful, just the picture that Angie shared about the, the wind of God, the breath of God blowing through the trees, like uh, us being the trees. I just, that was powerful minister to me so i love that stuff i really do um but i think there's also an encounter for us found in his word amen let me just pray and we'll be done jesus i thank you that you have treasure chests of encounter for us and that some of those are hidden inside your word as we press in and, and want to just know you and experience you, experience you and, and just uh, find you in the pages of our Bibles. God, I pray that you'd stir that up in us. You'd stir it up, Lord, that we would become hungry for you, that people would start to do crazy things like memorize chapters of the Bible that are way outside of our capability or whatever. God, I just pray you'd stir us up, God. Stir us up to do something that would, that would bring us into a deeper connection with you. Build in us that life of intimacy where we're going after you. And particularly do that in our hunger for more understanding and encounter with you in the word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. All right, well, love you guys. Thanks for being here today. I hope you uh, enjoyed uh, the time together in his presence. And I uh, just encourage you to grab something to eat and spend some time fellowshipping and sharing with others what's going on in your life. God bless you. We love you.